You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Okay, well, let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you with our whole hearts tonight. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness, your mercy, your love. Lord, thank you for Jesus and all that he's done for us. And Father, I thank you and praise you again for the written word of God that we can approach tonight. And we esteem it. We honor it, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that it is anointed. It is alive. And Father, we approach it and believe tonight to receive from receive from you revelation, insight by the Holy Spirit. We believe to be taught. We believe to be instructed and corrected. And Father, I thank you that as we do that, Lord, as we apply it to our lives, it will cause our lives to be changed and different and better. And we thank you for it. We believe to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, let me take just a second to review, and then we'll continue on. I, I don't know um, how long we will go tonight. Um, we'll just see. Okay. Um and I say that because, again, you know, as I've shared with you before, uh, as I'm preparing my lessons, both for Sunday and for Wednesday night, I always have this concern that I don't have enough material. And, uh, you know, and you might laugh and think, well, you do 12 pages, but um, that's because I, at that point, I feel like I've got enough. So anyway, uh, with tonight's lesson, we're just going to go for it. And uh, if we get done early, we get done early. If we have to continue on next week. We'll continue next week. So anyway, we're, we're talking about <clears throat> understanding the times and the seasons of the Lord. And, and, uh, this is all based in a scripture that Jesus in Matthew 16, in the first three verses, one through three, uh, it says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him asked that he would show them a sign from heaven he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And I know he was talking to the religious leaders there, but he, I believe he's also wanting us to understand and be able to discern the times and the seasons that we're living in, not only, uh, you know, in reference to where we are in the coming of the Lord and the last days and all of that, but I believe we're, we're moving into a season where it is very, very important that we as believers are able to, with skill and on purpose, understand what the will of God is for our lives and to be able to walk that out. And so uh, I gave you, you know, and have told you that kind of a subtitle for this series is really understanding what the perfect will of God is for your life. And the good news is you can understand what the will of God is for your life. And so uh, last time we were together, we began talking about how do I find the perfect or complete will of God for my life. And so I've been giving you some principles and <clears throat> The first one is this, 
is that the word of God is the will of God, or you can, you know, another way to say it is you can always find the will of God in a general sense from the written word of God. And, um, you know, I'm a believer, firm believer that if we would just base our lives on, on the fullness of the written word of God, we'll be leaps and bound ahead of trying to determine what the, the specific will of God is for our lives. And, you know, the, the general will of God is very much spelled out for us in the written word. Uh, but I will say this, if you're ignorant of the, the written word of God, then you're going to be ignorant of the will of God. And so it's very important that we have a good working knowledge of the, the written word of God. Now, another aspect to that is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you know, part of understanding the will of God is understanding the ways of God. Uh, and what I mean by the ways of God is uh, the ways of God are the whys and the wherefores <clears throat> of the way he does things. You know, God, you know, and I say this all the time to you all, and I say it jokingly, but it's true. You know, God and Jesus never do random. They never do accidental. There is a purpose and an intent behind everything that they do. And a lot of times in dealing with us, it is helpful uh, on our end if we can understand some things about the ways of God, and it helps you to be able to discern what God is saying, what God is doing, and what he's wanting to accomplish in that moment in time. You know, and I, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but the scripture talks about, and I want to say it's in the 104th Psalm, uh, I believe, but the Bible says that, no, it's in the latter part of the 103rd Psalm, um, that the children of Israel knew the acts of the Lord, but Moses knew the ways of the Lord. And it's, you know, his acts and his ways are two entirely different things. One way of saying it is this, the children of Israel knew the end result of what God was doing, but Moses understood why he was doing what he was doing. And so that's the, the place, and, and, you know, Moses not taking anything away from him. He was an awesome man of God, uh, but he has nothing on us as a born-again believer God wants you and I to be able to clearly understand some whys and wherefores of the reasons that he does some of the things that he does. And, you know, there we'll talk about this more in just a few minutes, but don't fall for the misbelief um, that is in religious circles and has crept into the body of Christ is that, that God is just so mysterious. He's so foggy. He's so ethereal and deep, and all those types of things, and he is, don't misunderstand me, but he is not beyond his children understanding him, okay? And so you'll understand that more as, as we get into it. Now, continuing on, just let me give you this one comment, and I think I mentioned this to you last time we were together. Brother Keith Moore uh, said this about the, the written word. He said, find out what God has already said to you in his word, and then if he wants to say something else to you, he will. In other words, if you find out everything that the book says on a given subject, and I mean, and you really dive in and you're grasping that, then if God needs to say something in addition to the written word of God, he'll say it to you. But otherwise, indulge yourself, get into this, 
and, and just literally saturate your life with it. Okay, so that's the first principle. The second principle, and this kind of goes without saying, we talked about this, uh, that you need to ask or inquire of the Lord. What is your will, Father? What is the plan of God for my life? You know, we said that uh, David was a man after God's own heart. And in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, it tells us why. And that is that because the scripture says he always fulfilled the will of God. And not that he did everything perfect. Uh, you know, we know <laughs> David made some mistakes and he sinned, but the thing that he always sought to do was to walk out and fulfill the will of God for his life. And so God called that being a man after his own heart. So we know from, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, David spent a lot of time inquiring of the Lord, what should I do in this situation? What should I do in this situation? And, you know, we talked about how even though he would confront the same enemy, same basic circumstances, uh, same basic, uh, you know, things that the enemy was doing uh, in, in order to, you know, attack and to uh, harass the children of Israel, David approached the Lord and he inquired as to how he was supposed to handle it each time. And now here's a, it's an important truth <clears throat> that we need to understand. And that is this, just because you handle a situation one way does not mean that's the way that God wants you to handle it every single time. If you'll remember when the Philistines came and and took uh, you know David's men and uh, took took their wives and all of their supplies and everything, David inquired of the Lord, "Should I go up?" And the Lord said yes, and He told him what to do. Then they came and they tried the same thing again, and David inquired of the Lord again, "What what should I do? Should I go up after them?" And God said yes, but do it this way. And it was a different way. It was a way that David probably would not have thought of on his own, in his own thinking, but it brought the victory. And so I just want to encourage you when you're facing obstacles, when you're facing a situation, you know, and particularly if, you know, you're doing what the word says and it doesn't seem like there's any movement or action happening, then inquire of the Lord and say, Lord, is there something else that I need to be doing in this situation? Is there a further step? Is there more instructions that you want to give me? Is there more insight to this that I need? And, uh, you know, listen, if God gave it to David, God will give it to you and he'll give you the instructions that you need to be able to win and overcome. Here's principle number three. <clears throat> and we said this, and that is delight to do the will of God. Delight to do the will of God. Make up your mind that you want to do the will of God. Now, let me just give you a little incentive, a couple of things. Number one, God is much smarter than we are. He knows the best way. He knows the ideal plan to get it done, okay? Uh, although we might think we're pretty smart, we're not as smart as he is, okay? So that's number one. And then number two, um, God knows how to win every single time. And if we will make up our minds, you know what? I want to do it God's way because I know, first of all, that pleases him. 
And then secondly, I know that that's going to bring the results into my life that I desire and that I need, not once, not twice, not hit or miss, but every single time, if I will just learn to do it God's way. So, you know, just make up your mind. Hey, I am delight, you know, and say that to yourself. <clears throat> I delight to do the will of God. It, it makes me happy to do the will of God. Okay. Number four, <clears throat> pardon me. Excuse me one moment. I'm going to drink to that last point. Okay. Number four, and let me, I'm going to tie this, this together. The will of God is the wisdom of God. Or you could say it this way. The wisdom of God is the will of God. Okay. So number four is this, pursue the wisdom of God's way. In other words, pursue the wisdom of God. We're going we're gonna to talk quite a bit about this tonight. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. We've looked at this scripture several times. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's look at verse 15. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Paul said this. He said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise or foolish. Uh, and so let me just pose the question. If you're not unwise, then you're wise. And the only way you and I can get wise is with the wisdom of God. So therefore, do not be unwise or foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so I gave you some uh, breakdown, a couple of those words. Unwise in the Greek means uh, mindless, ignorant, uh, egotistical, uh, stupid, it said, rash, okay? In other words, we're not thinking. We're not making sense. And so when we attempt to, you know, pursue after life and, and walk through our life, and we really aren't regarding the will of God like we should and walking in the wisdom of God's will, then we're going to walk around just like everybody else. You know, if you think about it, and I'm not trying to be critical or mean when I say this, but the world operates this way. They're mindless for the most part. They're stupid. They're ignorant. They're egotistical. And they do everything flying by the seat of their pants. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I don't mean in a general sense. Yes, there's people that are skilled and so forth. But I'm talking about end results here. I'm talking about when you when it all boils down to it, they have no clue what they're doing. They're just trying to figure it out as they go along. Whereas the contrast is, um, Paul said this, he said, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Greek word for understand means to put together, to assemble something. Um, it means the assembling of individual facts into an organized whole, meaning uh, you're able to take several pieces and you're able to put it together. We have a phrase that we use called uh, connecting the dots. Okay, and what that means is when several pieces of information are given to you, to understand that information means you're able to make it line up and become 
and make logical sense to you. And so he is saying here, don't function like the world does, <clears throat> but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be able to make it put together, come together, and line up so that you can walk it out. I'll say it to you this way. You cannot live and walk out something you don't understand. Okay? If, if you do not have an understanding of how to fly an airplane, how to be a pilot, whatever you do, please do not get behind the controls of an airplane that I'm sitting in. All right? Because I can tell you what the end result is going to be. All right? So... What, what I'm saying to you is God's plan is that we're able to understand what his will is. Okay. So again, the, you know, that you cannot separate the will of God from the wisdom of God. God wants us to be able to put it together to connect the dots so that we can effectively walk it out. Now, <clears throat> go over with me to Colossians. Chapter 1, again, another scripture we've looked at quite often. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians 1, verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So back up verse nine, Paul said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you for a couple of things. Number one, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Now, I'm going to I'm going to answer ask this question rhetorically, but if you are saying, if you and I are saying, you know, I sure wish I knew what the will of God is for my life, then I think it's safe to say you are not filled or full of the knowledge of God's will. I think that's a safe assumption to be able to say that. Now, <clears throat> there's a part that God plays in that Paul prayed that God would fill these people with the knowledge, but there's also a, a part of us that needs to receive that. You know, one of the, the worst things you can do is go around saying, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God's plan is for my life. I don't know what his will is for my life. Why don't you go around and say this? Thank you, Lord, that I am filled with the knowledge of your will, and I thoroughly understand it. That's what he prayed there. So make that your confession instead of, man, I'm clueless. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that might be true in, in, in the natural at that moment, but let me tell you something. As long as you keep saying that, you're only perpetuating your ignorance, okay? But when you begin to say, Father, I thank you that I am filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, you can count on the Holy Ghost to begin 
to manifest that, to begin to fill you with the knowledge of God's will. Now, what is wisdom? <clears throat> I'm going to define this a little bit more in a second, but wisdom is, is skill in applying knowledge to the affairs of life. Let me say that again. Wisdom is skill in applying knowledge to the wisdom of, or to the affairs of your life. In other words, to be able to walk God's knowledge out. And we're not talking about the wisdom of God here. Okay. Wisdom is where you are on purpose. You are skilled. <coughs> excuse me. You're skilled at being able to walk out the knowledge of God in your life. Skilled at it. Now, the only way that you get skilled at it is to practice it. That's the only way you get skilled at anything is to practice walking out the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God for your life. So, you know, when you get revelation of something that it, that God wants you to apply to your life, whether it's something general from the written word of God, or it might be something, a step that uh, he has for you in your life where the specific will of God is concerned, then, then do your very best to on purpose walk that out. That's the wisdom of God. Okay, and we'll talk more about that in just a second. And, uh, you know, being able to yield to the wisdom of God, to be able to orient your life according to the wisdom of God takes skill. It takes practice. It takes you doing it on purpose. And these things don't happen accidentally. They don't happen uh, just because, you know, uh, I wish it were true, you know, because you, you, you turn it into Bible study every Wednesday night. It happens because you make the decision, I am going to walk in the wisdom of God for my life. Now, let me say this to you, and I was prompted to, to, to tell you this just a second ago. The scripture says in the book of Psalms that the Lord orders the steps of a good man or woman of God. He orders the steps of of a, of a righteous man or woman of God. Now, the way God is going to orient your life, the way that he is going to bring supernatural insight, revelation, and direction for your life is one step at a time. Okay? So somebody says, well, what do you mean? Well, in all my 40-some-odd years of walking with the Lord and doing my very best to fulfill the will of God for my life, I've never had God show me everything from A to Z, where I'm able to see the beginning and the end all at the same time. When there is a, a direction, when there is a movement, when there is something that God wants me to do, he always gives it to us in stages, steps and stages, meaning that you take this step, and when you take this step in obedience to God, there will always be another step following that one. And, and the reason that I'm saying that is when you make up your mind that, listen, I'm going to walk in the will of God for my life, don't look for this panoramic view, so to speak, 
of God just opening everything up to you and showing it all to you. No, and I'm talking about the specific will of your of your life, the specific will of God for your life. Understand this. He's going to give it to you in steps and stages, not leaps and bounds. Okay. I remember, <clears throat> you know, when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school and coming up to graduation and so forth. And, uh, you know, I've shared a little bit about this before you. I knew that I was called to the ministry, but I was pursuing uh, going to another school to get a bachelor's in computers. I mean, a bachelor's in music ed degree uh, because I was a musician and, and so forth and so on. And so I was heading in that direction and it did not seem like things were, were working out like they should. And I understand opposition and all of that, but I also understand when you're trying to put a wooden uh, square peg in a round hole, it doesn't work. And so, uh, as I mentioned to you, just a testimony, I was out on a picnic with Alan and Judy, you know, they were, I think they were 15 or 16 at the time that it, it was, you know, <laughs> 40 some odd years ago. Uh, but, uh, I remember Judy making a statement to me. She said, have you ever thought about going to Rama Bible training center? Well, when she, when she said that to me, I knew immediately in my spirit, that was the next step for my life, not to go to an, this other college in Missouri where I was going to get a bachelor's in music ed degree. So did I know everything that I would be doing today back then? No, I had that one step. So what I had to do is I had to begin to orient my life to be able to take that step walk out that step. So I, I immediately started the ball rolling and make a long story short, found myself in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, going to, to Bible school out there. And then as step by step, as things have progressed throughout the years, that's the way God has led me. And that's the way God is going to lead you. He didn't show me on that summer day in August of 1981, that I'd, I'd be sitting here with you all on a computer, teaching a Bible study. I, I had no idea that any of that was going to happen, but I did know what the next step was. And so don't be looking for this gigantic leap, this gigantic, humongous thing that God's going to have you do. No, what's the next step? that he wants you to do. And don't move until you get that next step. Don't, don't take any further steps. Don't go, uh, you know, don't do anything rash. Wait until you get that next step. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about the wisdom of God. Okay. Go to, go uh, to the book of Deuteronomy with me. Deuteronomy back in the old Testament, chapter 32 in verse 29, 32 and verse 29, we get a little insight as to what the wisdom of God does. Okay. Deuteronomy 32, 29. He said this, Oh, and this is God talking uh, to Moses about the children of Israel. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. So in other words, whatever he's getting ready to say, 
they would understand this if they were wise people. So wise people understand what I'm getting ready to say, that they would consider their latter end. Now, what does that mean? That means the wisdom of God it looks ahead and perceives the outcome in the sense of you might not know all the bits and pieces, okay? But the wisdom of God, uh, let me say it to you another way. When I know I'm obeying the wisdom of God and walking out the will of God for my life, I can rest assured in a general sense, the outcome is going to be good, that it will be positive, that God will bless me, that God will protect me, that the, the end of that thing, whatever that step is, see, I knew, you know, in just my young teenage faith, I was only 17 uh, when I went to Tulsa, but I knew because I was obeying that step, I didn't know the full plan, but I was obeying that step, I knew somehow, some way, God was going to take care of me. I was a thousand miles away from friends and family and everybody I knew. I was going to a completely different city. I, I didn't know anybody that I thought of. And uh, God began to, to lay things out. But the thing that I knew was I was 100% in the will of God and I knew the outcome would work out. I knew that God would take care of me. Okay. Go over with me to Psalm 90 the 90th Psalm. Now there's another aspect to this verse. He said, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Another aspect to that is this, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, but none of us are getting any younger, okay? Man. All right. I hate to, to, to be the bearer of bad news, but it's true. All right. So what another aspect of the wisdom of God is this, and it, it, you know, it harkens to what he said in Ephesians five, redeeming the time. In other words, you know, here I am 60 years old. <clears throat> I believe that I will have a long life satisfied. Okay. In other words, I will go to heaven when I'm satisfied and I'm ready to go to heaven, no matter what the number of year is, and I have fulfilled and walked out the will of God. But the thing that we've got to understand is in, in, that we have a limited span of time to fulfill the will of God for our lives, okay? And so what, what God says is that part of the wisdom of God is that we understand that and it, there's not a fear, but there's an urgency. There's a desire. I want to fulfill God's will for the rest of my life, no matter what that is. Okay. Look at uh, Psalm 90 and verse 12. The scripture says this. So teach us, Lord, to number our days. Why? So that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, a, a fool you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just quoting Proverbs. A fool just lives their life with no regard of the fact of where they are in their life or what time it is, I guess is a, a good way to say it. Okay. 
Whereas somebody who's walking in the wisdom of God understands this. I need to do everything I can because I have a finite period of time on this earth that I can live for God, that I can walk out the will of God for my life. So I need to be aware of that. The, the New International Version of that same verse says this, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So understand, okay, you're not going to live on this earth in this dispensation forever, okay? You are an eternal being. I'm not taking anything away from that. You will step over into eternity one day, but, okay, you want me to tell you how to avoid wasting time? Well, I'll tell you, the best way to avoid wasting precious time that we have on this earth is to do God's will and to live your life God's way. Plain and simple. Make up your mind. I am going to do the will of God and I'm going to live my life out God's way. And that is what redeeming the time is all about. Okay. All right. Now, uh, let's look at some other aspects of wisdom. Go over uh, to the book of Ecclesiastes, right after Proverbs, and look at 10, Ecclesiastes 10, and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. I'm going to read this out of several translations, uh, but let's read it out of the New King James first. Just simple, practical wisdom of God here. Here we go. Verse 10 says, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. Okay, pretty common sense. Okay. Uh, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, we, we had a wood burning stove at our home. And so part of my jobs, my chores was to split firewood and stuff. And so I can attest to the fact that if you have an ax and you do not sharpen the edge, the blade, then you have to work harder in order to get the wood split. But notice the last phrase of that, but wisdom brings success. Okay, so what is wisdom in this situation? Well, wisdom is keep your tool sharp. Keep your ax sharp. Because if your ax is sharp, you will work less. Okay, so what is he saying to us? If we will walk in the wisdom of God, you know, it's like the, the old saying that you've probably heard, You'll work smarter, not harder. The wisdom of God has the ability to be able to make things go easier for you. Okay, listen to this in the easy-to-read version. It says, but wisdom will make any job easier. It is very hard to cut with a dull knife, but if you sharpen the knife, the job is easier. The Good News Bible says this, if your ax is dull and you don't sharpen it, you have to work harder to use it. It is smarter to plan ahead. <clears throat> you know, I knew even as a teenager, if I was going out to split wood, 
and I wanted it to be quick, trust me, which I did, then I didn't want to fool around with a dull axe. I wanted the, the, the tools to be sharp. So what I could do if I wanted to get done sooner is sharpen the axe before I ever started. So what, what is he saying to us? He says, listen to the God's word translation. It says, if an axe is blunt and the edge isn't sharpened, then one has to use more strength. But wisdom prepares the way for success. Okay. The wisdom of God will prepare the way for success. Now, let me help you apply this a little bit. All right. So when you want the wisdom of God, when you want the will of God for your life and you begin to pursue it, then what you need to understand is that that wisdom will lay the groundwork for your success. It'll make whatever you're doing easier. Now, why is that? Because God knows the best way. He knows the best way to pursue whatever it is that we need to pursue. You know, if there's one thing I cannot stand, <coughs> pardon me, is to have to redo something. If I do it once and then it's not right to have to go back and redo it, man, I'm telling you, that burns me up. Uh, not And even if I do it, all right, I'm not talking about if somebody else does it. I'm talking about if I do it. I can't stand it. And so what I have learned is, uh, you know, in, in and I'm getting better with the specific things, but in the general things, definitely, I, you know, I know now to, to say, okay, Lord, what is the best way to go about this? What is the way, what is your plan? What is the wisdom of God in this situation on how to pursue whatever it is that I need to pursue and how do I handle this? And I have found God knows exactly what to do. I'm reminded <clears throat> years ago, uh, probably 21, 20, well, probably 22, 23 years ago, many of you know that uh, before I, I went into the ministry full-time, uh, I was a, a computer programmer and wrote software and stuff like that and uh, for the company that I worked for. And there was a particular project that we had that I was working on. And uh, there was a certain thing, uh, end result, that they wanted this software to do, a report, specific report that they wanted it to be able to generate. Um, but it did not make sense. I, I could not figure out how to get this software, which I was writing, to produce what they wanted, my bosses wanted it to produce. And I worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. Finally, it dawned on me, you know, why don't you ask the one who knows how to do it to help you? So I said, okay. So I took a few minutes. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember how long it was, but I took some time and uh, spent some time praying in the spirit. And I said, God, I know the Holy Ghost knows exactly how to do this right here. What code needs to go where, what, what things need to be executed when, and so forth and so on. And so I'm going to just believe that you by the Holy Ghost are going to reveal that to me. So I took a few moments and I, I spent time praying in the spirit. And as, as I prayed, and I'm not talking about I heard an audible voice, but from up out of my spirit, I heard this, make the code, do this right here. I mean, and it was just a simple little thing. So I said, okay. So I went in and got the code and, and put in exactly as the Lord showed me. 
and ran it and boom, the report worked exactly like they wanted it to work. And so that spoke volumes to me. So I have learned, you know, not only through that situation, but others that if we will learn to rely on the wisdom of God and learn to depend upon him and go to him when we don't know what to do, quit sitting around saying, the worst thing I could have done is to sit around and say, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Call my bosses and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. How sad that is for someone who is born again, washed in the blood, a child of the living God, has the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God down on the inside of me, the creator of the universe, whose is all wisdom and all knowledge. And, and yet I don't receive from him what he desires to give to me. Okay. So I had a choice. I could either sit around and say, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Or I could humble myself and go to the one who knows what to do, seek him. And, you know, it didn't take days, weeks, and months. It took just a few minutes. It might've been 30 minutes. I don't remember. Um, you know, but I got the exact wisdom that I needed that caused success to come. And I, I want you to understand that that is the way God desires for us to live. You know, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, the, the guys in, that were taken away into captivity, you know, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You need to read about them. The Bible says specifically about Daniel that he had a spirit of excellence on him. What does that mean? He knew there was something it was the Holy Spirit, obviously, and an anointing that was on him that when the king or his staff had problems, they could bring it to Daniel, and Daniel could receive from God the wisdom necessary to solve the problem. And I believe one of the things <clears throat> that God wants us to do in this day and hour is to quit being contributors to problems and start being problem solvers. We have the greatest solver of problems living on the inside of us. And if we will dare to allow him, he will minister to us and, and enable us to be problem solvers. You know, I believe that, you know, that, that, we miss opportunities on our jobs sometimes because we don't make ourselves available. And I'm not talking about being weird and spooky. I'm just saying you take a moment, you say, Hey, uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go see it, you know, and, and let's, let's find this. All right. And so you go take some time, you pray, you ask God to help you. And I'm telling you, it might be one word, might be one sentence. It might be one adjustment, whatever it needs to be. I believe that's what God wants to use us to do because we read about these things in the Old Testament and somehow or another, we just dismiss it and say, well, praise God, that's what they experienced in the Old Testament. But no, that's what God desires to do in the New Testament, in the day that you and I are living. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, let's talk about briefly in the few minutes that I have left, 
<clears throat> so much for getting done early. All right. Let's talk about wisdom in discerning the will of God. Wisdom in discerning the will of God. You know, let's say you're presented with some options. You're faced with a decision. You're presented with some options. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, you're not really sure which one to choose, which one is right. Well, let's talk about how do you discern those things? How do you discern the will of God? Okay. Well, let's, let's eliminate two lies that have been sown into the body of Christ. And uh, let's just eliminate, eliminate these right off the top. And we've touched on these, but it bears repeating. Okay. Here is lie number one. All right. And there are a bunch of Christians that believe this. <clears throat> Pardon me. Number one, everything that happens is the will of God. Everything that happens in the earth, everything that happens in your life, everything that happens to your family, everything that happens on your job is the will of God. Okay? That is a lie. It is a lie that the devil has sown into the church and there is nothing further from the truth, okay? So this is where, you know, the whole line of thinking that, <clears throat> you know, that tornado that came through and just destroyed a whole whole town and, you know, destroyed people's property, caused loss of life and all of that. Well, you know, God was moving that night. God was at work. God was trying to accomplish something. You know, there are people that actually believe that. And, and, you know, if, you come, if you've been sitting under my teaching for any period of time, I hope you don't believe that. Um, but I want you to understand that is not a true statement, okay? Um, God is not causing, let me give you a, for an example. God does not cause the deaths of innocent children. All right? And I'm talking about through through accidents and disease and all that type of thing, okay? God doesn't do that. Now, here's the second lie, okay? God will not allow anything to happen that is not his will. God will not allow anything to happen that is not his will. You know, um, there's a, and you don't hear people say this, but this is the implication. There will be people that will say, you know, yeah, I know Jesus said the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but there's nothing he can do in your life without God's permission. So in essence, if they're stealing, killing, and destroying going on, it's because the devil went to God, got God's permission, and therefore God is allowing it to happen in your life. Okay, again, a lie that is absolutely not the truth. Let me let me prove it to you. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Okay. And you can nod yes or no, say yes, whatever. All right. Do people die and go to hell? Yes. 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 Sadly, yes. Absolutely. 
Okay. Well, the Bible says, and we've looked at it. It's not that God's will, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. So there, there are scripture after scripture in the Bible that says that it is not God's will that any should die and go to hell, but yet people do it. Now, why is that? Because God has to allow it. Why? Because that's what the people chose. Okay. So yet we, you know, this isn't God's will, but yet we know that people slip into eternity without knowing the Lord and God has to allow this, even though it is not his will. Okay. So the statement that God will not allow anything to happen that is not his will is a lie. It absolutely is not the truth. So get out of your mind that if there is stealing, killing, and destroying going on in your life, it is happening because God gave it permission, that God is allowing it to happen. No, God has done everything he is going to do to stop that from happening in your life. He sent Jesus to the cross to pay the price, to redeem us, to deliver us, to bring us out from the authority of the powers of darkness and to break the power of the devil over our lives. He has done everything he can to redeem us, to heal us, to deliver us, and to set us free. The work is already done. So, and I hate to say it, brothers and sisters, but if it is happening in our lives, it is happening for one or two reasons. Number one, we're ignorant, or number two, we allow it to happen. Okay? That's just hard, cold facts, but it is the truth, and I would be remiss if I did not tell you that. Now, knowing both of those lies, okay, it will become a whole lot easier for you to discern what the will of God is. So if you look at a situation and it causes and meets the criteria that Jesus attributed to the works of the devil, I can promise you that is not the will of God. Okay. All right. Now, when someone believes, and here's what the devil's purpose is in sowing these two lives into the truth, into the church. Because when you believe one or both of those lies, you will not be able to rightly discern whether the things that happen in our lives we should accept or we should resist. And there are a whole lot of believers that are accepting what they need to resist and they're resisting what they need to accept. Okay? In other words, God is trying to move in their life and they're resisting it and the devil is moving in their life and they're accepting it and calling it God. Okay. I know it's kind of hard, but I, I didn't get to teach last week. So I got a lot of pinned up teaching. All right. Let me go to a verse real quick and then we'll, we'll get ready to end. Go, go back with me to first Kings chapter three. First Kings in the Old Testament, chapter three, and I want to show you something.
First Kings chapter three and uh, verse nine. Solomon has just become king, and they they uh, at his coronation they uh, you know sacrificed thousands of of animals and and it was just a huge huge occasion and. Uh, God was very pleased in what happened. And uh, in verse 5 of 1 Kings chapter 3, it says at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Notice the humility of that. This is a grown man. He's not a baby. All right. This is a grown man saying that. But notice the humility of that. Here he is. He's he's. Um, the king of Israel, one of at this time, one of the greatest nations in the, the known world. He is, you know, uh, prospering. God is blessing him. And, you know, he's saying, but I, I don't know what to do in and of myself. I'm like a little child. And he says this uh, in verse eight, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too, num too numerous to be numbered or counted. In verse nine, Therefore, this is what he asked, give to your servant uh, an understanding heart, or can we say a heart of wisdom, to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and then God said to him, because you have asked this, I have, uh, and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor riches, nor the life of your enemies, and have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice or good and evil. Behold, I have done according to your words. I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like before you, nor shall there be anyone after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So what am I saying to you? If we will learn how to walk in the wisdom of God and notice the, the, the value that God placed on this, the high esteem that God placed on Solomon just asking for discernment between good and evil. Lord, help me to know what is right and help me to know what is wrong. And, you know, for the early part of his reign, Solomon did real well. And God blessed him and blessed the nation. Now, he got off course towards the end of his life. But, uh, you know, the thing that he did is he started out right. But my, my point is this, is that God wants us to live and to be able to clearly discern what his will is, what is right and what is wrong. 
And your life, I'm telling you, the blessing of God is on the other side of that discernment. When you grow to a place where you could clearly discern what is wrong and what is right, and you pursue after what is right, then I promise you God's blessing, his favor, his increase is all on, on the under, other side of that waiting on you. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.